This episode of the Side Hustle Project is brought to you by FreshBooks, cloud accounting and invoicing software for freelancers, solopreneurs, and side hustlers. I've personally used FreshBooks as my go-to invoicing software since day one with my freelance business, even back when I was freelancing on the side of my day job. And as my business has grown over the years, so has FreshBooks. You can now create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds, accept online payments from your clients, and much, much more. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to listeners of The Side Hustle Project. To claim your free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash Ryan and enter The Side Hustle Project in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson. Throughout this season, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from unique side hustles. In today's episode, we're chatting with Mabasher Iqbal, aka Mubs. To put it modestly, Mubs is one of the most prolific side hustlers I've ever met. He was recently named Product Hunt's Maker of the Year for 2016, now having a total of 44 side projects that he's launched on Product Hunt alone. As a software developer by trade, Mubs' side projects are earning him around $10,000 a month, and he's pretty much always working on something new. The week we recorded this interview, he had just launched a new side project called Will Robots Take My Job? and it received nearly 2 million page views within the first few days of going live. In this episode, we're digging into how Mubs goes about quickly validating his ideas without spending more than a few hours building a simple, simple prototype. We're diving into how he got 2 million page views for his most recent side hustle and what he's doing to monetize all of his projects. We're also covering how Mubs comes up with new ideas, where he finds talented partners that'll complement his skills, and his own personal project management process for getting to launch quickly. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Mubs. Mubs, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me on. All right, so I've been testing out some warm-up questions, and I'm going to run one by you. Uh, what book are you reading right now, or what is a favorite that you've read recently, and why? Oh, it's actually funny. I've actually stopped reading books lately. Um, I used to read a lot more. Uh, I think the last book that I bought was um, Tools of the Titans by <laughs> uh, Tim Ferriss. Um so that's probably the last one that I, I read. That was probably uh, four or five months ago. I've, I think I've just moved more to like reading blogs and reading blog posts and you know, reading Medium a lot now. I, I signed up as a paying member there as well. Um, so I think I, I've just kind of started to move online more. All right. What publications do you read on Medium or people maybe do you tend to gravitate towards there? Uh, I mean, I, I think publication-wise, uh, it's just more of the kind of like the sort of startup world kind of publications, things like um, The Mission and uh, Startup Co. and, and those, those kind of things. I, I try and follow people in the startup world and people uh, freelancing and doing kind of side projects and, and things like that. Um, obviously, I have, <laughs> I have a side project. Uh, there's, a, there's a website called Top Pub. 
um, top XYZ that has a list of the top uh, publications on Medium um, that uh, that I worked on that has uh, some of the so like the most popular publications on there. Of course, you have a side hustle for that. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to side hustles, you, by definition, have more experience than just about anyone I know. You were named the Product Hunt Maker of the Year for 2016, and as of today's date, you've made 44 projects just on Product Hunt, right? So can yep. you tell us about, um, you know, maybe even just starting with the names of a few? Uh, well, I'll start with the first one. The first one that was on product that was called Interviewed, uh, which was a um, a website that collected uh, podcasts like this, actually. So you can punch in somebody's name, and it will give you a list of all the podcasts that they've appeared on when they were interviewed. So if you're if you're particularly f- interested in a, p- a particular person's story or their history and stuff, you can kind of see where they've talked about themselves and, 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 and kind of what they've been working on. Um, that one's that one's uh, that one was my first one on Product Time, so I'm still kind of very proud of that one. Um, some of the more recent ones, um, well, I just launched earlier this week. Uh, Will robots take my job? Uh, com, uh, which was just a, a quick little weekend or two uh, project that that uh, found some analysis that would be done in 2013. Um, which was the likelihood that uh, automation would replace uh, workers. Um, mm-hmm. That one has, uh, as of as of right now, because I'm looking at the Google um, Analytics stats. So since the launch on uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, has done 1.9 million page views now. Wow! <laughs> I have a ton of questions for you later about that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, I've worked on uh, a few others, uh, things like Q.co, which is a social media tool uh, to help you find uh, relevant content for your social media uh, updates uh, so that you don't have to go find stuff. Uh, we we kind of match your interests with articles that are out there, and they get uh, auto-added to your uh, Facebook or your Twitter accounts. Uh, there was Plot list, uh, which is a kind of an app store for uh, chatbots. Uh, so if you're interested in a chatbot for Facebook Messenger or for WhatsApp or for Kick, you can kind of search and find what are the what are the really awesome chatbots in different categories and, and kind of things like that. Um, and another one is uh, Dash Metrics, which is kind of like a uh, a dashboard for any kind of stats that you have about your personal life, about things that you do at work. Uh, you can just kind of punch in anything and you can easily share those stats with um, other people. So if it's, uh, I, we've, we've got one of the, f- uh, one, one of the people I'm working with that is actually running a, he's running an Ironman um, in September. So he's using it to track his runs and his <laughs> swimming and his cycling um, and things like that, and I, I'm using it to track like how many followers I've got on Twitter and Facebook and, and that kind of stuff too. So you can use it for just about anything. How many of your side projects would you say have made you money over the past few years? Um, probably about half, uh, in some way or other, either directly on the website because you know people pay or we have ads or kind of things like that, um, and then others just 
just because of the word of mouth, like they've led to uh, mm-hmm. freelancing work or things like that. Yeah, that's actually, I think, one of the um, really important points about taking on a side hustle that not many people talk about is that regardless of whether or not you make, you know, a ton of money from the project you're actually working on, you're going to meet people, you're going to get your name out there, you're going to do a lot of other things, and you're going to stumble into opportunities that you otherwise couldn't have predicted. Absolutely. And, and even even things like this podcast, like I wouldn't be on here right now if I didn't have that sort of side hustle. So it's not just financial rewards. I've met a whole bunch of people from all over the world, uh, worked with projects with a few of them. Um, so financially, it's very rewarding, but socially too, to be able to meet a whole bunch of people that you wouldn't have the opportunity to me otherwise do you know then um sort of as kind of like a maybe a ballpark figure how much per month you're earning from your side projects in total um uh so i'll caveat this with saying i don't take a lot of money from the projects themselves because we typically reinvest them into the projects themselves Mm -hmm. um but some of the projects that i have worked on I would say that I mean there I mean in total the projects themselves are probably pulling in north of ten thousand a month, um, but that's obviously like I said you know I'm working with other people on those and we're doing you know there's there's other people working full time on those right. and, and things like that too so I mean overall uh, ten thousand a month but uh, I'm not seeing too much of that but that's by sure. design to to build like the long term value there as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So I uh, I heard you mention earlier freelance projects. What else do you do then to supplement your income? Do you have a day job? Do you have contracts? Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, so I, until uh, November of last year, I did have a job. I, I, well, I've had various jobs where I worked, uh, you know, just like at a like an interactive agency. Uh, my last year was actually working at a online f- pharmacy, um, which is I know sounds kind of strange, but um, but since November, I've been doing freelancing, and so I've just got some c- contracts with uh, some people down in New York, some people out in San Francisco as well. Uh, but yeah, so that's yeah, I've just got some people pay me for my time. That's not so bad. <laughs> no, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Okay, so um, I really want to dig into the project you launched this week, which is Will Robots Take My Job? You said as of today you're at 1.9 million page views, and that's, what, within less than, gosh, three days? Yep, um, yeah. So, yeah, it launched at, like, it was 3 a.m. was when we officially launched it on um, Tuesday at 3 a.m. So I don't even think it's, yeah, I don't think it's officially been three days yet. <laughs> All right. So um, you briefly mentioned what the site does. Can you sort of walk us through how you came up with the idea for it? Right. So it's actually not my idea, which is which is the sort of other thing I love about side projects. Mm-hmm. I get to work with a whole bunch of people who have way more awesome ideas than than I can even have. <laughs> um, so about about three weeks ago, um, Dan Petty launched his side hustle. Actually, so he launched uh, freelance TV, mm-hmm. which is kind of a website where he's been uh, driving around the country interviewing freelancers and just kind of 
just talking with them about how they do their business and what kind of business they do and, and some really awesome interviews about how people earn a living working for themselves. Um, but a part of that project was a Slack community that he set up so that people could talk to each other and kind of, you know, kind of help each other out. Um, so I signed up for that about three weeks ago, and somebody reached out to me because they knew me through my side hustle and, and you know on my product hunt stuff, and they were like, "Hey, it'd be kind of cool if we could work on something." Um, and so I, I spoke with him about it, uh, and so it was basically his idea. He said, "Look, I found this report that was published in 2013 by some researchers from Oxford University over in England." And they and they had some very complicated math and economic stuff that they that they worked out. <laughs> they analyzed 700 jobs and they said, based on what we think is going to happen with technology and what we think is going to happen with the economies uh, through the world, um, these this is the likelihood of this kind of job being automated. Uh, and automated could be a robot or some kind of software, some kind of AI. Um, and so they published that in 2013, and it's been sat on the shelf somewhere. I'm sure somebody's looked at the report, but you know, it's kind of it's kind of a very long report which talks about how they did it and what their what their uh, what their research outcome was. Right, and I think that, I stuff think that are, most people aren't going to actually sift through, right? Exactly, and I mean, the the, the kind of headline number was that 47% of jobs have a significant risk of being automated away. So yeah, just seeing that headline, you're like, wow, that's that's a pretty high number. <laughs> um, and so we kind of looked at the report. I mean, he so we kind of looked through the report, and and they have at the end of it just kind of a list of all of the all of the jobs that they kind of analyzed, and then they, and as I said, they kind of had a percentage likelihood of of, uh, of of that job being automated away. And it was the very end of the report. I don't know how many people got to the end. Of it. Um, and you know, we kind of thought that it would be as long as we made that information easy to find, easy to uh, easy to consume, that people would be interested in it. Um, and so that was that was the kind of the sort of idea there was just to take this information, make it a little bit more f fun and interesting, uh, and then to kind of show um, show people in in a kind of serious way what robots might be able to do <laughs> sort mm -hmm. of over the next few years. Um, so, yeah, so that was the idea, and that was kind of how it started. So we worked on it for a couple of weekends, just kind of figuring out that report itself just had the job and percentage numbers, and we thought, well, it would be kind of good to add some extra information about, uh, about, the, about that particular job. So we kind of found... Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the U.S. has a website where you can get more information about specific jobs as well. So we added in some extra information about like how much salary that kind of job has, mm -hmm. average across the U.S., how many people are actually employed in that particular role. And were you doing this part manually, or did you have some sort of automated way to grab that info? So uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has a, a sort of Excel file that you can kind of you can you can download off their website. So we pulled that in. I wrote some scripts to import that information into a database, um, and so we kind of tied the two reports together now because of the because of the the. Job description and report had what they call the SOC code, which is like a 
it's an official uh, U.S. government uh, job classification code, um, and so we kind of tied the what the what the percentage was in the report with the percentage from the Bureau of Labor's Excel file, and now we kind of had a uh, a more rich uh, information about each job and the likelihood that it would be um, sort of automated away. Um, yeah, that's cool, and, and we, it's it's kind of in like a, a really fun interface, and you know, like on the results page, once you enter your job title, it's <laughs> it's pretty fun, right? Like you have like a click to tweet thing, sort of at the bottom, that's like you know, this is the percentage chance that my job will be taken by robots. Will yours? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, that, and that was the other thing that we wanted to do. I mean, because these are kind of estimates; it's, it's obviously not going to be an exact science, even though people would like everything to be exact. So we kind of added some fun to it too, like based on the percentage of the, of the likelihood we kind of uh, we kind of changed like it says like if it's less than 10% i think it says your job is totally safe mm-hmm. and if it gets a little higher it's like the robots are watching you and <laughs> and if it's if it's a really high likelihood we i think we put you are doomed as the as the result as well so so we we, we kind of made we, we kind of made wanted to make a little bit more fun too because even though it is a bit of a serious topic, it's still just a estimation. It's not. It's not 100% accurate, and nobody says that your job will be taken, even if a lot of it is kind of automated away as well, too. So I think that that was kind of what led to the popularity of the site too. Right. Is that it, it wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't too serious. It wasn't just like here's this report with this analysis. It was like. Yeah, have some fun with this as well. I love that. Okay, so 1.9 million page views so far. Um, Got to ask the obvious question: How in the hell did you get there? Um, really, I think it, I think the website just kind of took on a life of its own. I think it, it, it once once it was on Prime Time, um, you know, it did pretty. We got to number one within a few hours of being live. Uh, um, sort of on the site. I think in. I think it, within within two hours or so, I think it's got something like 800 upvotes now as well. Um, and I, I think we seeded it, so we posted it. Oh, I, 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 I had a friend of mine hunt it uh, on Product Hunt, so I went to the homepage, which is, we can talk about Product Hunt some other day, a whole other, <laughs> uh, we can have a whole other podcast about that. But we also posted it on things like Hacker News, uh, designer news as well, uh, and we posted it on a few s- subreddits as well. Um, and and from there it kind of just spread. I think because of the 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 appeal of the website itself. Like I, th- I think it's 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 a t- topic that people are are kind of interested in, and because we presented it in a way that was informative but entertaining as well um when people found it they almost immediately wanted to share it with other people as well um and i think that led to people wanting to write about it as well as share it on twitter and facebook and all that kind of stuff too uh i think what happened was the next web wrote an article about it um i think that really helped snowball it right from there because when it got on the next web um the next web actually syndicates out their content to a few other places as well. So by the virtue of the fact that it was on the next web and did well on the sort of next web, uh, it, it also appeared on msn.com and aol.com and kind of a few other places as well. And it just started, you know, people started to see it. They tried it out. They liked it. They shared it on Facebook and Twitter. And then it's just, I mean, it's appeared on something like 40 or so uh, popular blogs that we've been able to 
track through our through our analytics and stuff. There's probably lots of others as well that that that, that we haven't seen. But Jeez. I think most. But I think I think what really helped it in terms of the 1.9 million page views was the was the fact that we had the custom sharing image with every job type that we had um, in the system. So when when you shared it, it was your specific job that was being shared. It wasn't just like a generic uh, kind of this is you know will robots take your job kind of share. So I think that made it kind of spread a little bit more because people were more likely to share it because it was specific to them rather than just being the sh- rather than just being the same as everybody else. So what would you say has sent you the most traffic? You got, you know, the next web, you've got product hunt, a bunch of forums, you've got Facebook shares, Twitter shares from people who are actually trying out the um, the engine. So what would you say has driven the most traffic so far at least? Um that's a good question. I I think just from a gut standpoint, I think it's 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 hard to track. I think the sort of that actually I think looking at the analytics actually this is going to sound weird, but I think the biggest referrer that we have is actually a website called BarstoolSports.com. And I think that, <laughs> I, I, I think that kind of like gives you some indication of right. the c- content's appeal is not just to software developers and web designers and like the technical crowd in terms of like the sort of startup crowd even. Just I, I think this whole topic is an interest to everybody from all walks of life. So the fact that a very popular sports website kind of uh, sent us a lot of traffic kind of gives you that indication of like this is this is a topic that sort of a lot of people are kind of interested in. Hey guys, this is Ryan. Real quick, I wanted to point out something Mubs just mentioned. With his recent side project, Will Robots Take My Job, it went completely viral and piqued the interest of people from all walks of life. Barstool Sports sent them the most traffic the day they launched. Now, while you can't necessarily engineer a product to go viral instantly with 100% certainty every time, you can do a lot of things to help get it to that tipping point and encourage people to want to share it with their community. Up next, after this short break from our sponsor, we're talking about all of the outreach Mubs and his co-founder did for Will Robots Take My Job immediately after they went live on Product Hunt, which helped them go even more viral with features on sites like Lifehacker, MSN, The Next Web, and more. Stay tuned. This episode of the Side Hustle Project is brought to you by FreshBooks, cloud accounting and invoicing software for freelancers, solopreneurs, and side hustlers. As you know, I personally use FreshBooks to do the invoicing for my freelance business. And the reason why I've stuck with FreshBooks for so long is because I hate dealing with the accounting side of running my business. I'm just not a numbers person, and I'd rather spend my time doing what I do best, which is getting results for my clients. And that's where FreshBooks really comes into play for me. Their completely redesigned suite of tools range from invoice customization to analytics and insights that show when your clients are actually viewing your invoices. The ability to easily take upfront deposits for new projects, accept online payments, and much, much more. Getting started is extremely simple, even if you're not a numbers person. Actually, especially if you're not a numbers person. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to listeners of The Side Hustle Project. To claim your free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash Ryan and enter the Side Hustle Project in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Welcome back to our interview with Mubs. We were just talking about some of the ways he helped get his recent side project, Will Robots Take My Job, to the tipping point of going viral. 
Now we're examining more of the ways he helped get this project and others out to large audiences during the first week of launching. And had, did you do anything to sort of engineer any of the press features? Did you pitch any writers, editors, or did you kind of just topple the community forum sort of sharing domino and then kick back and see everything else happen? It was, it's a little bit of a mixture. I mean, like we did do, uh, uh, we did do some outreach. Um, it was mostly after the fact though, right? So after it'd been on Proton, after it'd been on the sort of next web, things like that, we reached out to a few other people and said, Hey, we just launched this thing. It's doing kind of well, <laughs> um, on sort of other sites as well. So that kind of, I think that helped other people want to write about it too. The fact that they saw it was doing well on things like the sort of next web and it's been on MSN and it's number one on, or actually I think we ended up on number two on product on, uh, for the day. So we did a little bit of that after the fact, uh, because this wasn't like a real serious project. We didn't really normally, if I'm launching something that I think is going to have long-term value, that's going to be, you know, like a, a real startup kind of thing. I would kind of precede a lot of that stuff prior to launching the website itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because this was kind of more of a quick little weekend kind of project, we figured let's launch it first and then we can kind of kind of outreach people and, and kind of show them what we worked on. Um, so we did, we did do that a little, little bit yesterday and a little bit more this morning as well, just to kind of let people know that we were out there and that, uh, you know, we'd done, you know, X number of page views and, and kind of things like that as well. Yeah, I love that. I think that's smart. So maybe uh, going back to some of your other side hustles then over the years, what would be an example of something that you did do some preceding and outreach for before you guys launched? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. When we, when we launched a hot list, uh, for example, uh, we kind of timed that one a little bit more deliberately as well. So uh, as I mentioned Hotlist is about chatbots, and they're, they're 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 available on Slack and Messenger and, and those uh, fairly popular uh, chat platforms out there. Uh, but when we launched it in April of 2016, we kind of timed it to uh, to coincide with Facebook's F8 uh, conference, and we had kind of the week prior to launching, we let a few. Uh, journalists know that we were launching it around F8 as well um, and we coincided with F8 because we got some inkling that Facebook was going to make some chatbot announcements during F8 um, and so we kind of, so so that really helped I think one, the journalists were expecting news about chatbots and they wanted to talk about chatbots we told them something was going to be launching around F8 as well, so when we did launch and we, and we kind of had them know um, what what that that we were live um, and, we, and we what we had done was we actually went on product on the day prior to F8 so we were kind of in everybody's kind of mind hmm. um, and so people knew that it was going to happen and then you know once F8 happened as well um, yeah that there was a lot of impetus to kind of write about it as well both pre F8 and then during F8 as well so I think that that really helped. Right, it was kind of the perfect storm. So yeah. when you when you do your outreach to try and drum up press for something, you know whether whether it's launched yet or not, what sort of approach do you usually take to that? Uh, well, normally it's uh, I mean I, I guess I'm lucky now that in in some of these cases I don't have to do the outreach myself anymore. Like with 
some of these with some of these projects I'm working with people who are well known in the industry that we're kind of working in so they know the journalists and writers who cover those industries and so they kind of have a relationship with them already so make it so making those outreaches and those and those contacts becomes a lot easier if you have an existing relationship you can kind of you can you can drop it into conversations without actually having to kind of make the make the sort of hard sell as it were um but in sort of other cases um I think what I've done in the past when, when I have had to do it myself is is just kind of doing a bit of research, like find uh, finding writers who've written about the same industry that you're about to launch in, who've written about potential competitors or kind of things like that, or just about that. You know, if, 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 if you're trying to solve a particular problem, uh, pain point you know right finding writers who written about that specific thing in the past and then you just kind of let them know hey i'm working on something that might help this thing that you wrote about a few weeks ago doing things like that to kind of show that uh what you're reaching out with is something that they're actually interested in as well uh, i think i think i think that really helps yeah, and you mentioned something that I think is a really good point for our listeners today is that, you know, you're, when you're thinking of partners to collaborate with on projects, you, you want to make sure that you have sort of complementary skill sets or, you know, experience, connections, whatever that may be. So like, you know, a lot of your experiences was actually building products and getting things shipped. And so having someone who can sort of complement your skills and bring, say, you know, marketing chops or press contacts to the table is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, not not to say I don't like working with other t- developers and, and things like that. But, you know, I, I think it's I think we've got to the point now with technology where it is that you don't need a big team of developers and designers and things like that to build that first version of your application. You know, a single developer and a designer can do the most of the heavy lifting to kind of build the, the sort of MVP of, 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 of sort of, of your idea. Um, so, so making sure that uh, the people that you're partnering with um, can actually help take that product to market, I think is a lot more valuable than just having an extra pair of hands mm-hmm. to kind of help with with the coding and, and kind of stuff like that. And, and, and it ends up being a complementary thing that you can do at the same time as well. Because often I think if you have you know, a team of developers and designers and things like that working on the product at the same time, you can't always work on the same, you can't always work at the same time because you're waiting for somebody to finish something before you can take it over and work on the next piece. Right. Uh, whereas if you're, but if you're working with somebody who does more marketing and sales and things like that, they can do the, they can do their thing at the same time as you're doing yours. And, and I think that kind of helps speed things up as well. How do you go about finding partners then? So you already kind of have this really established picture in your mind of the type of person you want to work with, let's say. So how do you go about finding them? Uh, that's, that's, I think that's the $64,000 <laughs> question, right? Uh, I mean, I think I'm fortunate now in, that, in the fact that I have raised my profile a little, little bit in the industry and stuff. I mean, people reach out to me a lot. With, with ideas that they have. Um, mostly when that happens, I'm looking for, like you said, like, you know, how are their skills going to complement mine? How are their skills going to move the project along faster than if I was doing it on my own? Um, you know, kind of things like that. 
Um, other than that, I mean, I just, I mean, I, I kind of make myself available a lot. Like I, um, I, I reach out to people on Twitter. People reach out to me. I try and be responsive. I talk to a lot of people about a lot of things. Um, and, uh, and I think, yeah, I, and even things like, I mean, I think, um, you know, reading a lot as well, like reading a lot of blogs, reading a lot of posts on Medium, you get a sense of who is an expert in a specific field, you know, who knows who, who reads like they know what they're talking about <laughs> um, so that kind of thing I think I think it's just you know being out there talking to lots of people you get exposed and, and and I think the sort of number of people who've referred me to other people as well I think is astronomical as well like in terms of I know a friend who's got an idea you should talk to mobs you know the, right. sort of that kind of thing happens a lot as well so I think just being out there, uh, making your, yeah, making people aware that you're open to this kind of thing, I think is really important too. Um, I think the one thing I do do that is probably not what a lot of people recommend. Um, I try not, I try not to be too formal about structuring the re the relationship up front, right? Like, so I know some people I've spoken to in the past were like. Well, if we're going to do this thing, I want to go incorporate the company, and I want to have like you know lawyers draft up founder agreements and all this hmm. kind of stuff. And I'm just like, one minute, hang on, slow down. We don't even know if this thing is going to do anything. We don't know if it's going to be worth anything. We don't know if anybody's going to use this thing. I think we're kind of you know we're kind of speeding past uh, more than we have to at this point. So I try and I try and be kind of informal with a lot of these things because uh, my my you know. My, my primary thing is this, let's just build it, let's get it to market. If the market says we have something, then we can figure out all that other stuff. We, you know, and I'm not saying we don't have any agreements at all in place in terms of you know, sort of ownership shares and things like that. But if you don't trust somebody enough to have you know, like an email exchange that says, look, this is what we agree to, mm -hmm. if you don't trust them enough to do that, you probably shouldn't trust them at all. <laughs> and, I think that's great advice. Yeah, I mean, like, because if you're not going to trust somebody, then you shouldn't be starting anything with them at all. So, um, so I think, yeah, so I think that that's something I think scares some people away, but I think attracts other people as well. So I think I think that's something that's really important as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, basically what you're saying also is the more you ship new projects, the more new projects sort of serendipitously find you or people find you. You get referrals. Uh, maybe it's someone that you already know who has an idea who's like, hey, you know, mobs would be perfect for this. But um, let's say for for the people that don't have a ton of experience with shipping projects or starting businesses, do you have any advice for them on finding potential partners with complementary skills? Maybe that's in the form of, you know, like Facebook groups, Slack or Slack groups, online communities, other sort of ways to find potential partners. Yeah, um, if you're in a big, big-ish city, so if you're in San Francisco or New York or you know one of those big places, hackathons are awesome. Hackathons are a wonderful place uh, to meet people, to try things. Um, it kind of it, it puts that whole side project startup thing into the space of a weekend. <laughs> um, so it's a really awesome way to kind of just work on an idea, work with something you haven't worked with. Um, and it's all, it's usually a good mix of people as well. So you know, there'll be the web developers, the web 
designers, app designers, and app developers as well. But there'll be marketing people there. There'll be sales people there. There'll be the idea people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are that's a really awesome way. It can be a little bit. Um, it can be a little bit intimidating if you're not uh, on the technical side of things to show up to a hackathon because just by the very term hackathon kind of implies that you have to sit there and write code all day long, you know, during the hackathon. But uh, I've I've encouraged you know a lot of designers, a lot of uh, project managers even uh, to kind of attend hackathons, and I think they've got a lot of out of it. Um, as well, um, but from that growing your network, trying to find people that might be willing to work on on side projects with you, I think that really helps. Um, and you know, I think I think I think people forget that building software isn't just about writing code. Uh, it's it, it's also about making sure you do the right thing at the right time and talking to customers to make sure that you're actually working on the right thing, sort of at the right time as well. And even though you don't spend a lot of that time at hackathons, but if there is somebody there who can talk to uh, a potential customer while you're working on code, um, that can really help as well. So I think you know. So I think that's really that's really awesome. Um, in terms of other resources, I mean, honestly, I mean, even hanging out on places like Product Hunt, you kind of you kind of get to see. Yeah, the sort of same faces who are launching things a little bit more often than usual, who do do the side projects, kind of gives you that exposure to kind of who they are and, and who might be open to kind of working on on on, on, on side projects as well. Um, there's not really too many Facebook groups or things like that specifically for it, uh, for, you know, people doing kind of side projects. Maybe that's an opportunity that maybe I should explore. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I find people in the freelancing community tend to be more open to these things because they are they used to working on multiple things at the same time. Most freelancers have more than one client, they have more than one project happening at the same time. Um, so you know, so being involved in that kind of scene as well, I think, is a good place to find people who who kind of. Because as a, as a freelancer, you do get those times where you don't have any client work. So how are you gonna you know, sort of how are you gonna spend that time? So maybe it's working on a side project instead. So Mubs, I want to ans- ask you some uh, some of my frequently asked questions, and I've intentionally designed the questions to be brief. Your answers do not need to be brief, but I'm <laughs> I'm restricting myself here. So. Um, I know you're a huge fan personally of this sort of methodology, validating ideas quickly, inexpensively, get it out into the market, see how people respond first. So what's your advice to someone who wants to validate their side project idea and they're just getting started day one today? Um, Yeah, I I would say just get something out there as quickly as you can. I'm not even saying you have to build a full app, right? Like if it's just a landing page, which just talks a little bit about the about the idea, lets people sign up to a mailing list, you know, just get something out there as fast as you can. Because as soon as you can start to send people there, even if they're not talking about the final finished product, but you can talk about the idea and that gives you that launch list as well that once you do get the MVP out, uh, you can, you can, uh, you, you kind of have an audience as well that you can reach out to. Uh, and it's something that you can do even if you're not technical. There's, there's plenty of services out there 
um, Unbound, Launch Rock, you know, that will let you build these landing pages without any technical skills at all. Uh, so even if you're looking for that person to work on the side project for with, uh, you can you can still start. You can still start to to, to kind of talk to people and to and to start that um, start that potential customer pace already. What kinds of sacrifices have you made over the years in order to you know put enough time, effort, um, financial investment, whatever that may be, into your side projects? Um. I think most people would say sleep is probably the biggest thing I've sacrificed. But uh, having said that, I'm actually I, I I tell people this and they and they're kind of shocked. But um, I, I I've been fortunate in that I don't need a lot of sleep. And you know, most people are saying, well, you have to sleep eight hours a night, uh, or or you're going to turn into a zombie and and things like that. I typically get four hours sleep a night, and I'm quite okay with that. Wow. Um, and yeah, and there's been you know some times where you know I, I you know sometimes it's that's not enough. You know, based on what else is happening in the world, in terms of my life and things like that, I do need more. But you know, so on average, if I get four hours of sleep a night, I'm quite I'm quite happy with that. Um, you know, I I I've actually spun it the other way. Like I've I've sacrificed work in a lot of cases to make sure that my family life is is good like i mean i'll in terms of sacrificing sleep you know i made sure i spend time with the kids and things like that um me even though that might mean i get less sleep that's more important to me than that so yes i i, I would say the one thing i've sacrificed is sleep and sometimes that's because i wanted to have a life outside of what i do in terms of side projects and work but i'm okay with sacrificing a little hit a bit of sleep <laughs> What times of day do you find that you typically work on your side projects, if there's any trend at all? And same question for, you know, days of the week. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, because it is a side hustle. I mean, I'm spending time in the evenings. Usually I usually wait till the kids are asleep. Um, so anything after eight and nine o'clock at night, um, uh, I will. You can probably find me from a laptop. If, even if I'm not sitting just in front of a laptop, sometimes I'll be sitting watching the TV on the couch, but I'll have a laptop in my lap. <laughs> um, and then on the weekends too, but again, I mean, I try not to work like the whole weekend, but again, I'll probably be working sort of in the evenings and uh, once everybody else is asleep <laughs> as well. So you strike me as someone who either has a lot of ideas yourself or you get pitched tons of ideas all the time. How do you know when one is say you know the right idea or something worth at least investing some time some of your effort into and testing your way into it um yeah i mean if they're if they're my ideas um i tend to just err on the side of is this something that i need i would use if it existed and if that's the case then you know me spending a couple of weekends uh, making an app is is good it's a good investment of that, right? Like, even even if nobody else in the world finds it particularly useful or interesting, or uh, I know I'll use it, so it's it's kind of worth mm. that, that that sort of time effort. If it's somebody else's idea, uh, and it, you know, it depends on on it depends a lot on kind of what the idea is and what the what the what the scope of the idea is. Um, and I think that's one of the one one reasons I I do you know err on the side of get it to market as soon as you can because 
as as cute as we think we are at evaluating ideas, um, you know, we're not the perfect customer usually. So that's why I tend to err on the side of let's get it to market as soon as you can. And I think a lot of my, I think a lot of the ideas that I tend to gravitate towards are the ones that I know I can I can get the feature set down to a small enough size that we can launch it quickly so that you can then expand afterwards, right? Like if it's such a mm -hmm. big idea that you can't, you can't think about how can we get it to market quickly, the sort of risk reward becomes a lot higher. Um, and so I, I tend to err on the side of, well, one, is this something that I think would be good? And I, again, I'm a little bit different because I've been uh, working in the internet. I've been building websites for the last 20 years. So I've seen a lot of things come. I've seen a lot of things go. I've seen the industry change a lot. So you know, I've got a lot of experience and that cut feeling helps a lot in terms of evaluating ideas. Um, and also when I'm, when I work with other people, it's just like, you know, how much passion does the other person have as well? Like if they really think that this is going to be something that changes the world or will solve uh, a pain point for somebody's, you know, a specific audience. And I think that they have the expertise and the experience to kind of really, uh, see that that is actually true. I, I'm kind of, it's not necessarily the idea that I'm evaluating. It's the person who's pitching the idea and whether I think they they have the experience and the skills to kind of do uh, what it takes to take that idea and actually execute on it. So it's it's typically less about the idea, more about the person that I'm working with. Do you have any particular strategies or pieces of advice for how to get your first, say, 100 subscribers, leads, signups, potential customers, whatever that sort of first benchmark is? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that goes back to like, uh, like I said, in terms of like having that marketing page up as soon as you can, get that email list started, uh, get as many uh, you know, accounts onto that as you can. And there's different schemes that you can use because there's some websites out there that once you get that landing page up, things like betalist.com, uh, that will kind of help you market that that kind of. We haven't built the the app yet, but here's a page that you can sign up. <laughs> Um, I think that really helps. And then outside of that, it's just really talking to a lot of those people who do sign up on that emailing list. So, so once, once, once you get people on that list, make sure you reach out to them, tell them a little bit about what you're doing, um, and you know, use their feedback. And I think that will help you get um, actually paying uh, you know, people on board because if, if, if they're seeing that you're responding to their feedback, uh, and helping them do uh, what they need to do. I think that really helps with that sort of early sign up. All right, Mubs, this is my last question for you. Have you had any validation tests or side projects of your own that you've um, completely imploded on in a bad way? Um, you know, I don't think so because it's one of those things where it's, because I haven't spent six months working on something, you know, like I, I feel like those are the ones that really implode where it's the ones that you spend months and years sometimes working on something, you launch it and it's a complete failure, right? Like, because nobody uses it and it's, it's the wrong timing or, or people don't understand it. I think that's where a lot of those implosions come from. But in my case, because I'm only spending a few weeks on something, even if it, isn't a success 
I've only spent a few weeks on it, and so I don't feel like I wasted that time because I've learned from it. I've, I've kind of, you know, I learned from it, or I, I work with somebody new, and, and we, we we found out if we were a good fit or not in terms of working together, or we've tried a market. We found out that market's not a it's not a good time to attack that market now. You know, everything is a learning experience, uh, and if you haven't consumed too much time, you've wasted too much time. To, to kind of attack that idea, then I don't think I, 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 I try not to see those things as failures at all. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you online, where they can learn more about all of your amazing side projects? Absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. It's at Mubashir Iqbal. Uh, M-U-B-A-S-H-A-R I-Q-B-A-L uh, I tend to blog a lot on medium as well and it's just the same uh, account on medium so uh, medium.com at habashir iqbal um i have a, a website but nobody visits that thing anymore um <laughs> so yeah so just catch me on twitter and medium and obviously on product hunt as well i, I have all of my stuff up there as well all right thanks again for being on the show that's awesome i had a i had a really good time If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. And one more thing before you go. I want to give a special thanks again to FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode of the Side Hustle Project, for making this possible. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial of their cloud accounting and invoicing software to listeners of the Side Hustle Project. To claim your free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash Ryan and enter the Side Hustle Project in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Thanks for tuning in.